first I want to start with, do we drink too much? We were talking about this last night at dinner. It's, uh, I'm, I'm ambushing you right now. We've, we haven't talked about this before, uh, about recording this, but I feel like I'm being put on the spot here. (laughs) We were talking about it because it's like, so the pandemic probably added some fuel to the fire. And at this point we can't tell anymore if it's, is it special needs parenting? Is it being a, is it being a professional? We haven't lived in a world until 2020 where we can Instacart, my favorite wine, your Tito's. Oh, you're blaming it on availability. (laughs) It's an ability thing. Unfortunately, we haven't slowed down. Yeah, we we might need to address that. Maybe saying it out loud is the first step. (laughs) Admitting the problem. You know what, though? In all fairness, I don't think it's just us. I think that you could could chalk it up to special needs parenting. You could chalk it up to stress at work. You could chalk it up to a million other things. I don't think we're alone. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I've had this conversation with other people. Actually, this week I've had the conversation and it's like, yeah, I drink a lot more now than I used to. And I don't know if it's a problem or not. I feel like we're still relatively productive people, but you know, we just, we just enjoy a couple evening cocktails. We, we wait till five. Yeah. <laughs> usually, <laughs> usually. And it's five o'clock somewhere. Yep. I just wanted to start off this week by talking through our experiences now that we have a podcast, now that it's out in the world. People have been listening, so thank you for listening. And just kind of get your take on what the experience is like. I know that sometimes recording is hard to pull off for us, just timing-wise. So, you know, finding time and space and then creating episodes and trying to... And having even really like the the energy and the mental capacity to sit down and speak the truth and uh, convey the message that we want to convey with this podcast. I guess we should say we started out just really focused on storytelling. So we started recording a bunch of episodes that were just going back and telling phases of the story. And we decided that now that we have a feed and we have a you know this outlet, it'd be really powerful for us to communicate in real time. So that's kind of like this episode and the previous episode where we're talking about what's happening right now in 2021. Whereas like the episode right before this was actually a story about what happened in 2014 or 13 or whatever. So we're going to like like we said in previous episodes, we're going to kind of move around timing, but it's all to keep some of these live episodes coming in so that we can update people in real time so they don't just hear all potentially sad stories from our past like which are getting more and more positive as we go but so that's what we're doing just to kind of fill everybody in on that. Yeah I mean we want to relive what we have been through because it's therapeutic for us as well right like as we've recorded several of these episodes you and I have both discussed we've never openly talked about these things because we were too busy surviving them yeah and and Maddox was surviving them. And so this has almost been therapy for you and I just getting this out there. That's a great point. Um, I want to let that breathe for a second because there is an element of survival mode that we've we've, we've talked through it and, and we are aware of it. But I don't think we were aware of it for years. I think it sat with us for probably two or three years before we even articulated what 
it was that we were feeling. So true. We'll probably get into that another time because this is more of a like what's going on in, in life right now uh, episode. But yeah, what other feedback have you received on the pod? I know a lot of your friends have chimed in with uh, some feedback. What did that? How'd that go? Yeah, a lot. A lot of people have reached out and really like everyone's been in our corner. It's been really refreshing to hear and just I you know I feel super grateful that those who have shared in this journey with us as well of those who uh, may know about what the story is but not know in depth. It's all been positive feedback. I was chatting via text with one of my dearest friends Tyree and she was telling me you know oh my gosh I was listening to the diagnosis episode and I just remember I remember that you know when you texted me and told me what the diagnosis was and I know how sad and depressed you were over that and it it was it was really cool because we kind of took a step back into time on that as well and she was like I remember just you know researching and trying to be as positive as I could for you and I and I I when she said that I almost forgot about that time uh, because I was I was I sunk into a pretty deep depression over that initial diagnosis and it was people like her and our support system that really really carried us through those really early days yeah got got us up off the mat we haven't even released the second part of that episode so i split it into two pieces because it was kind of long so the second part of the diagnosis episode is going up a week from today so look out for that uh, any other feedback from people on us? Did they did they like listening to us? Are we interesting at all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Like we, uh, you and I, this is we live this daily, right? But um, I, I've received quite a bit of feedback from my coworker friends, um, people who've known us forever, and it's it's funny to me the people that have known us for a long time or who know us very well they were like, wow, you guys actually have really great rapport with one another. And, you know, your your conversation is just very natural and smooth. And, you know, that, that meant a lot to me because it's like, yeah, you, you don't live with us and you don't see it day to day. But that I really appreciated that feedback. Yeah, the power of editing right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny because a lot of our, I mean, I guess a good amount of our mutual friends know us together in life. But some people just know you or just know me and they don't really know this is like a glimpse inside of our house which is scary but it's also like hey this is us like meet us <laughs> yeah yeah no definitely and there I've had a handful of my um, co-workers who who've become friends but they don't know the ins and outs of us but they they've said the same thing just in listening that they've really enjoyed it so my best friend his feedback was he was really concerned with the mention of when we when you said when I'm dreaming about peeing right so basically in a previous episode, we talked about how when you have to pee when you're asleep, you dream about peeing. And he was like, you guys just breezed over that like it was a fact. And he had a major like, issue with that. I'm like, same. I'm like, that's the one thing that you noticed in all of these episodes is the pee part. Well, anyway, Brother thanks, Z, thanks, buddy. let me break it down for you. Because in my dream where I dreamed that I had to pee was actually because I subconsciously knew that the following day I had to take this pregnancy test. In my dream, I was dreaming that I actually had to pee because I had to pee on the stick. In my dream, I peed on the stick, so I wasn't awake yet. And the pregnancy test, which we talked about in another episode, and we've dropped that one yet, but I talk about that in big, bold letters. It says, not pregnant, or it says something mm-hmm. like, no. Yeah. And so I was devastated, and then I woke up, 
And then I realized, oh yeah, today's the day. So I better go now and do this. So you weren't saying that when you have to pee at night when you're sleeping, you often dream about peeing instead of waking up and peeing. No. But does that ever happen to you? No. No. Okay. So you're in the other camp. Okay. So I saw this thing on Facebook that I kind of wanted to bring to the podcast because I thought it was interesting and thought provoking. It was just a, a post on one of the special needs groups that I think I'm in. I don't even think you're in this group. It's just a generic special needs parenting group. And the post was just special needs parenting means blank. That's all it was. And people were just chiming in on whatever it meant to them. So I'll go first. I think special needs parenting means, and especially in light of events that have happened to us in the past couple months with Maddox, special needs parenting means never getting tired of advocating for your child. I think that was the thing that popped out to me the most because it's like when you want to get tired, it's the end of the week, your job's been busy, your you know marriage and your relationship takes work and all that. But But the underlying theme is like you can never... Your energy level can never dip for your child because nobody else is going to do the work that puts him or her in the most positive situation. So ever you just can't get tired. Like you're just not allowed to is, is was my take was my initial takeaway on that post. That was the first thought that popped into my head. Yep. You as special needs parents never take no for an answer. Today was a great example of that. You and I had a conversation and um, I slipped into one of the available offices at work because I took the call while I was, I was at the office and, um, you know, we're going back and forth and I didn't realize (laughs) one of my, uh, coworkers was in the office next to us and the walls are fairly thin. And when we were done with our call, we walk, I walk out and I go back to the desk and she comes out shortly after. And she was like, all right, Des, Uh, hair ties ready like who do we have to go after right now (laughs) and I look at her and she was just like I couldn't hear your conversation but I know something's going down and what do you need from me and I just started laughing and I said that was uh I was handling business on a personal level and I said the remolays don't play yeah when it it comes to Maddox we never take no for an answer you're like, I was being actually pretty moderate in that call. Yeah. That wasn't even aggressive for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was just so funny. Like I, you know, she just came out and she was like, I got you, girl. Like, what do you need? Yeah. <laughs> Shout just, out, Ash. I just feel it in your voice. <laughs> yeah. So that was one thing. And then the other thing for me was, and this is something we've been really good at, I think, from for Maddox's entire life is like just celebrating everything that comes up positive because you have plenty of things, especially in the beginning of your child's life that are potentially negative or are negative. You just celebrate. I remember celebrating his first poop in the NICU or celebrating things that probably every other parent would just dismiss as normal. How about celebrating when he fit into preemie clothes? Anything. Yeah. It's like, look. He sat in a diaper, in a micro preemie diaper for what felt like maybe a month, maybe a little over a month. Yeah. We just celebrate everything. Yeah. what, what What else comes to mind when you think of this topic of special needs parenting means blank? Yeah. It goes hand in hand with what you just said. It's appreciating all of the milestones, no matter how big or small. Um, you said it, we've done a really great job of doing that since he was born and we continue to do that to this day. And it's, it's not even just as special needs parents, it's you and I have adopted that in our own lives where, you know, we had a great week, we killed it at work and we're going to go and celebrate that, whatever that looks like. We're, you know, we don't take 
For us, it's not little. For us, we we celebrate the moments that provide happiness and fulfillment for for us individually and for us as a family. Having a special needs child is a bit of a reminder every week that like you should celebrate. Like you made it through another week. You didn't kill anybody. Everyone's healthy. You know, there's there's been progress along the way. Even if it's at work or anywhere else, right? It's like, let's just celebrate stuff. So, but I don't think we would see the world through that same lens if it wasn't for Maddox. So that, My that's his gift. My mentor called me back this week. Yeah, exactly. I haven't heard from him in about five days and we have a project going live next week, but I heard from them today. Yeah, we celebrate it all. I was having a conversation with a colleague this week, and I and I told him my my grade thing. I think I've told you this before. Like every day when I leave my job or a clock out or I stop sending emails or whatever that mental frame is, where like I'm done for the day, right? I give myself a letter grade, like every single day, and it's usually not an A. Like it's it's very atypically like I, I like to think I'm hard on myself. And unless I had like, you know, I do sales. So if I had like the greatest sale ever and I, you know, hit every mark otherwise and answered emails and all my customers are happy, you know, I'd give myself an A or an A minus usually. But there's a lot of days I give myself a C plus, a B minus, a B. He kind of looked at me and he was like, yeah, I haven't given my, like, I wouldn't have given myself an A in years. (laughs) So, but it's just one of those things. Like when you do give yourself an A, you know, celebrate when you don't give yourself an a then just let that feeling wash over you for four or five minutes or on your way home or whatever it takes and put that shit down at the door and be present and be with your family that's that's the way i've always used that tool is like that's it i'm done with this now i i'm bummed out that i wasn't great and i'm gonna leave it at the door or best thing ever i'm gonna come home and have something to talk about and then we can celebrate that but i'm not gonna let the bad grades infiltrate my personal life you're not gonna let the negativity seep into into our home life it took me many years to get to this point but i'd say over the last year and a half two years I really have made a conscious effort to control the things that I can control. I said this in a social media post, I don't know, a week or so back. A couple of years back, I I decided that I'm going to be very open to the universe and whatever is thrown my way, good or bad, indifferent, I'm just going to be open to it. I'm going to take the lesson out of whatever it is, um, good or bad, I'm going to roll with it. And it served me. And I live by that every day, whether that's, you know, personally with our family, uh, whether that's at work. And it has been life changing for me. Yeah, that's really good advice. So speaking of social media, there was a couple. So we posted a little snip, a little teaser of the last episode we dropped, which was about the first part of the spina bifida diagnosis. And in that teaser, we talked about, you were talking about folic acid and how you got off it for a few months and, you know, kind of, you were blaming yourself a little bit in that moment for getting off folic acid and thought, you know, maybe it might've resulted in spina bifida for Maddox. A couple people actually gave us some feedback on that. Two of them were parents and one of them was actually somebody who was born with spina bifida. An adult, yeah. An adult. And I wanted to uh, just read those posts because I thought it was interesting perspective. So Shirley from Tennessee said, when I was pregnant with my child, which was born with spina bifida, I took all my vitamins, didn't smoke, and ate right. Yeah, and Melissa, another commenter, also said, I did everything I was supposed to do. Always took my vitamins, never took medicine, never drank alcohol, or did anything wrong. So I don't preach about folic acid at all. Yeah, so I mean, we, we were, later on in the episode, we talk about how it's a multifactorial diagnosis. We don't know if folic acid or folate had anything to do with it, but... 
all they really had was that that snippet, that teaser. So, well, because that's what a lot of the research, and I, I don't even know that I want to be so broad to say that, but that's like what they shove down your throat is, oh, well, it must have been a lack of folic acid or a lack of folate when we've learned in the last seven years of Maddox's life that there's so many other factors. I think that the fir- our first spina bifida clinic visits, we felt like there was some folate shaming going on. For you sure. Know, there was like, oh, well, did you take your folic acid? And it's like, it's not really that simple of an answer for us. But just don't even ask that question. The kid's already born. He's already diagnosed. Just like, like this commenter says, like, I don't preach about folic acid. It has nothing to do with it. This it's already reiterates over. that fact, yeah. right? Like, but there's two here that say that we took our folic acid or folate religiously and our child still ended up with this yeah and then obviously we were really intrigued by doug from denver's post and this is kind of a long one so i'll read it he said i imagine as a parent it could be a whole flood of emotions however i'm here to remind parents that as much as it is difficult and we need a variety of supports we can and do live to adulthood and we can do amazing things He says, I'm a professional volunteer and mischief maker, smiley face. I am 41 years of age and I earned a bachelor's from Metropolitan State University. I currently serve on the Denver Sustainable Food Policy Council as co-chair, which is a mayor-appointed council. I am a garden leader of two separate gardens. One of these gardens grew over 100 pounds of produce this season and was donated back to my neighbors, all of whom are either 65 years or older or live with a disability. And now, in 2021, I was awarded the Denver Human Services Being Human Together Award. I was one of nine individuals out of thousands of Denver's residents to receive this award. So really cool feedback from Doug. Huge kudos to Doug. Like, I loved that. And I commented back to him, like, this is the perspective that newly diagnosed parents need to hear. And we need to hear more of this. Um, And I feel like there are a, a lot more adults living with spina bifida that are a part of these groups that are chiming in more and more. There's another one. Um, I think I'm, we're actually personally connected with um, Michelle Flattery. She is another wonderful, wonderful human being. Um, she was born with spina bifida, and she has been such a great resource for us parents. And we need this perspective, especially when we're, we're given a grim diagnosis and all the things that the doctors say that they probably shouldn't say. We need more people like Doug and we need more people like Michelle. Yeah. To to Doug's comment, it kind of made me think, I hope Doug doesn't think that our episode that we released was disparaging the diagnosis in general. We were just trying to make it, we were trying to evoke the real feelings that we had at that moment. Now, obviously we made decisions and things and we recovered from that position. Right. But in that moment, when you hear those things that we talk about on the previous episode, it doesn't sound good. Like, it's not like, oh, cool, we got a spina bifida diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, to Doug's point, yes, these people live great lives, potentially long lives, and are very fulfilled. And that's kind of what we're here to say. It's just we haven't quite released that part yet. And mm-hmm. we're just going in chronological order and telling our story. So we really appreciate all of those stories because our primary goal of this podcast is to put it in the hands and the ears and the eyes of somebody who's just been diagnosed with spina bifida for their child, mm-hmm. and hopefully they can make the best decision for them. Right. Thank you, everybody, for your feedback, and we look forward to engaging the community even more in future episodes. Yes, please keep it coming. The good or the bad, we, we appreciate it all. So we have big news on the school front, because last episode we mentioned that Maddox was out of school. He had a, a pretty severe injury uh, sustained at school. So we've literally spent the last two months 
making sure that he's recovered and he also has the best solution for schooling moving forward. We looked at private schooling. We looked at public schools in our district. We considered options outside of our district and homeschooling and all different kinds of uh, solutions. And we have finally got him back into school. He goes to a public elementary school in the same school district. So um, there was a little bit of a leap of faith needed on our part, but we did, we had how we many meetings? We did our due diligence. How we, many meetings? Six, seven? Ten? I don't yeah. know. Between th- phone calls and meetings, probably ten was, is, is the number that we had to get to in order to feel like this was a leap of faith we could even consider. Well, and not even that. We needed to convey the severity of what happened with Maddox and that that can absolutely never happen again, whether it's with Maddox or any other child within the district. Yeah, so we never actually said what happened. Those people who are really close to us know what happened, but I think we can say now that our son, who's a full-time wheelchair user, fell down the stairs out of school. And due, due to negligence. Yeah, due, due to negligence of staff, people who their primary job, 100% of their job was Maddox's safety. That's why it's so difficult for us to give him back to the same school district. Well, and also for those following along, like, you know, on our social media channels, we posted about this real time. And I I was very hesitant to post that image because I still was processing what was happening. And so I was very leery about posting that image. And so those that have followed us on social have seen the severity of the incident. Yeah, the pictures kind of speak for themselves in in the process. Right. So we had we definitely decided at some point we wanted to pick a new school. Uh, we didn't trust the leadership and the overall vibe that the previous school had given post-accident. His teacher was great. And that's the thing that, that kills me is that she, he learned so much from her and mm. from her staff that uh, that was hard. Yeah, it was. That was the thing that the only thing that was drawing us back to that school was his teacher. Right. But when we have to look at it from a bird's eye view, the leadership was terrible and we weren't getting the the leadership is terrible at that campus. And, you know, we weren't getting what we needed then. And we weren't getting what we needed when we went after the accident happened and we demanded answers. So that was a no brainer for us. We had to move on. Yeah. So like we said, we toured several campuses to just to see if physically, spatially, everything was going to work out for Maddox, who, like I said, is a full-time wheelchair user in a special services class. So we only had options to go to schools that ha- that offered that you know curriculum. Like I said before, every campus had its flaws physically and geographically. There was no slam dunk. This is the safest place ever. They all had their hazards. It came down to the size of the campus, the fit, the educational benefits and leadership and leadership, honestly. And, and we the, the two campuses that we had narrowed down one principal we had met and was loved we, were, her. we absolutely loved her leadership and just the way she ran the campus. And the other school was in transition. So we didn't get a chance to meet the principal initially. But we were always drawn to that school. Like that just seemed like a good fit for him. Smaller campus. Mm-hmm. They're more focused on on performing arts, and we just think that Maddox is going to eventually be drawn to that. Mm-hmm. Just just judging off of his personality, we had some people in our lives that had sent students there for elementary school, so they had you know great we, things yeah, to say. Of course, we reached out to everybody who was willing to talk to us about t- sending their kid there, and thank you to everyone who who helped us with that. 
And it, when it came down to the decision, I was like, you know, we have to meet this principal, the new, the new principal that had just been installed, you know, a week before. Right. And so we did, they scheduled it right away. So they turned that meeting around really quickly. We felt great about her just focus and dedication on, on students. Well, and partnership. She, I, I, what I took away from that initial meeting with her was this was a partnership and she was willing to work with us and communicate with us on whatever concerns we had, good or bad. And that's very important to us. Yeah. One of, one of our requests also to get him back in this same school district was we need to upgrade his one-on-one to at least an LVN. Somebody who not only can be there for him during the school day, but also can take care of medical things that could potentially pop up. His epilepsy, if he had a seizure, could they administer the proper mitigation drugs for that? His catheterization program. We don't want to have him go to a secondary person or another part of campus just to do a catheter. We'd like that to be done by the same person that's his one-on-one, preferably in the same space as the classroom, as long as it's private and safe. So those are all the things, well, those are some of the things that we're looking into when considering where to place him in school. Right, and also that an LVN would um, recognize the symptoms of a shunt malfunction Mm -hmm. or anything that just seemed off about, uh, you know, with Maddox or a child with his complexities. Yeah, so the district agreed to that pretty much right away. So anyway, we, we finally got the LVN lined up. We chose the school. We met with the principal. Everything was kind of lining up for us. And we decided to pick a date, and the date was last Monday. But on that Friday before school started, we started getting great feedback from the school. Like the the office administrator oh, called. Sweet Miss Lori. Miss Lori, and she was just so happy that Maddox was going to be a student there. And then we got a call from the teacher right after letting us know that the principal had actually made accommodations in the restroom inside the classroom that he's going to. That they, like, while we were talking, they had an ADA compliance specialist on site that was lowering the sink in his classroom and lowering the hand towel device so that Maddox could utilize it and, um, and gain independence. Never. He's been to three. This will be his fourth campus. He has never had this type of accommodation. We didn't even know that that person existed in the school district. We didn't. I shouldn't say never. When he started in preschool, uh, it was like pre-preschool. He, uh, they, I feel like Miss Lisa and her her staff made the best accommodations they could for him, whether that was getting the um, the go-to seat for him for the chair and the little cushion on the ground. Like, they were wonderful, too. But, but those were teachers advocating for him. This was right. like, not only did the principal advocate for him, but she brought in a specialist that deals with compliance and ADA, you know, and they they looked at the bathroom and they actually made, I was trying not to make the focus on Maddox because I was like, if they're going to make the bathroom ADA, it should be suitable for all children of all. Of course. Yeah. Differences. It shouldn't just be the right bathroom for my kid. This is not, that's not the whole story, but you know, so anyway, so we went down to the campus, we met with the teacher on the Friday, right before the Monday that we were going to bring him in. And we, you know, they didn't really have a good solution for a table to cath him on. So we, we brought our own table. We brought our own pad. You know, it was like, we're we're, we'll take care that. of that. Yeah, yeah. We just want to make sure that he's not moving around campus just to do that. It's going to happen potentially twice a day. So we want to make sure that that's not the source of further complication and just more tedious movement around campus. Like we're a little gun shy now 
of signing up to have him move around for no reason. So. Well, and not not even just that, right? Like we want to minimize the amount of time that he's away from his his curriculum. We want to make sure that he is as close by as possible so that he's not missing out on anything. Yeah, exactly. And they uh, they also that day explained what time of day they're going to do the catheters to try to minimize the loss of education or just make it so he didn't miss out on anything at all. Like if we can do it in this transition, then really he's just going to be transitioning along with the other kids and he won't miss anything. So we really appreciated that. That was one of the best mornings we've had. It was the best prep session we've had since we've started, I believe. Yeah. Never, never even before a school year have we had that level of focus on our son and, and mm-hmm. just, it was just refreshing. It was like, Oh my God, that we picked the right school. We knew this was the right place. Yeah. So we're on cloud nine. We're, we're headed back to, uh, well, we're headed back home. Actually, we were headed to Las Vegas, right? We, we were getting ready at that morning when we got the phone call, we were here packing. We were trying to, uh, head out for a weekend trip, get away and, um, had to make a pit stop at the school. So we were eager to, to get that wrapped up. Obviously that's the priority. And then we wanted to be on our way. Yeah. And we get a message or voicemail while we were in the classroom from the director of special services saying that the LVN that we had met with and we had all agreed was going to be And his, she agreed. And she agreed that she was going to be his one-on-one starting the next Monday, four days later, had had a change of heart and she didn't want to, she didn't want Maddox to be her post anymore. <laughs> and, you know, you go through a range of emotions. My, my initial takeaway was like, cool, I don't want to put anyone in a situation where they don't want to be there. And she arrived at this conclusion on her own without wasting our, I mean, she did waste our time, but she didn't waste the transition. You know what I mean? Like she could have easily done that on Wednesday or Thursday of this week instead of last week and really caused problems in our life. But your reaction was much different than mine. My initial reaction was damn it, Desiree, why didn't you just listen to that inner voice that told you that she wasn't the right fit from the get-go? We met with this woman a week before? No, I feel like it was two weeks prior. Yeah, call it two weeks before that Monday for sure. So two weeks had gone by. The business day before Maddox was to start school. So as you mentioned, the Friday before Maddox was to start school, she decides to have a quote unquote change of heart. That didn't sit well with me. And it didn't sit well with me because I'm very in tune to others' body language, to their facial expressions. And when we met with this woman, I picked up on quite a bit of that. And I even told you that when we left that meeting with her, I'm like, yeah, like she'll do. She's an LVN. Like we know that she'll have the qualifications to take care of him if he has a medical emergency. But when it came to the in the classroom stuff, she almost had a look of disgust on her face when she learned that she had to do hand over hand with Maddox Mm -hmm. or that she had to do anything that was outside of a medical response. Yeah. And so back to my initial reaction was it just took me back to that moment. I was angry with myself. Here I was again. I knew that I felt that this lady was not 100% the right fit for him. And I'm angry that I didn't voice that then. I'm angry that I didn't, I didn't ask the special education director to provide another interview for us because we knew they told us there were two. And I'm angry with myself that I didn't press to interview that second person because I think that who Maddox ended up with was who it was. There is 
no doubt in my mind that we would have settled then. And I don't understand why they would have started with the other lady. I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, that was one of my first thoughts too. I I agree with you. Like, I'm not saying that you're wrong in feeling that way because we've been at this crossroads so many times where we're like, why did we wait this long to throw up a red flag here? Yeah, I mean, the moral of the story is we've been in this situation so often where we're like, if we just would have trusted ourselves and not strung this out, we would have done better by us or by Maddox or we would have made a better decision, right? Right, yeah. And as quickly as those thoughts entered my mind that I was angry with myself, I also told myself, I'm not going to let this consume me. We, we have another LVN who's very interested in the job. Let's just, let's meet with her and let's figure it out. What will be, will be. And so that's big of me because Mm -hmm. I'm not that, I'm the type who my whole life I've dwelled on, on things. I've dwelled on the negative and there was no time for that. And so we moved on within 30 minutes. We met the new LVN and I knew within seconds of seeing her, not even meeting her, but within seconds of seeing her, all of this was meant to be. Yeah. She had the right energy for the job. You know, it's like looking after Maddox is like a gift, right? Like, I honestly think like, it's easy for me to say this as his parent. And I'm obviously biased. But like, it's a gift. Like you, you see it in everyone's reaction to him. We have people come up to us all the time and say like, he I think about him all the time. Like he is he's his great energy. So like, if whatever she was doing before, like this is probably some some form of upgrade for her. Well, I said that. I said that. So we eventually, you know, went back to meet her. At this point, I, there was no time to waste. I just flat out said to her, you know, this is a situation. This is what happened. I showed her pictures of what happened. She had tears in her eyes. I was crying. And I said, this could absolutely never happen again. I said, you know, if you choose to to accept this role and this very important position, Maddox is going to teach you more than you would could have ever expected. Mm. And the moment those words came out of my mouth, she looked over at the special education director and she was like, can I share my story with them? Yeah. And that's when she told us she also has a special needs daughter who is also within the district. And she said, I understand everything you're saying better than most would. That's what sealed the deal for me. I already loved her and she didn't know it. But when she said that and we understood, we, we understood on a personal level when she said that to me. Yeah. It was like, you know, within 60 seconds of sitting down at the table to meet with her, she was crying. You were crying. You know, it was like, it got real, really fast. And then when she said that, we're like, oh, we can put our guns down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, not that Absolutely. we were, not that we were trying to outgun this this poor lady. But I was like, like, let's weed him out quick. If she's not yeah. the right one, then let's be honest. We're gonna it. find he's out. He's not three starting minutes. on Monday. He may not start the next Monday, but he's not starting until we feel comfortable. And she was it. Yeah. So so everything happened for a reason. The the fit was perfect, right? He's been in school now for five days. So it's enough for us to say, you know, that was a definitely a better, the replacement was much better than the, than the prior person. Yeah. That was divine intervention. You know, we're not giving him a congressional medal of honor for one week of, of safety, but at the same time, it's like, thank God that that happened. And she had a change of heart, which is fine. She can have that. Yeah. She can have that. And we're, he, he's in a better place. Everyone in this situation is probably in a better place. Yeah. It's her loss. It's the other LVN's loss. And it really is her loss because 
this kid is awesome. Like, and, and as a daily assignment, he's not a bummer. Like he's super fun to be around. Like, I wish I could be around him more and I'm his dad. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that it's almost, it almost felt like we were selling him to whoever should be his one-on-one. And that's why when we met, well, that's how I felt it was with the first one. And then when we sat down with this one, it was like, I'm not selling my kid to you. You, It's going to be your, your gain if you, if you care for him. Right. And if it's not you, then that's fine. Be on your merry way too. But the person who will be his one-on-one, he's going to enrich their lives. No doubt. As he does ours every day. Absolutely. It reminds me of that Kings game we went to. Like we finally took him to a Kings game after how many years? Three, four years of going pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. And we finally got out to one like about three weeks ago. And it was like... I was just so proud. Like, I was just having, like, an out-of-body experience that night because I was so proud of just him and just the way he commands himself now. Like, we go to dinner, and he just, like, he's, like, cool. Like, get me to my table. I know what I want to eat. Like, he's just a big boy. That's just, like, crazy to he's me. He's growing up so fast. Yeah, and he's just, he, you know, he had a friend with him, and, and it's just, like, this is, this is like, a special He needs. was in his element. Yeah, this is, like, any parent's dream, but... You know, with special needs parents, like we said before, like you got to celebrate it more. Like I was just so, I could almost cry just thinking about how I felt that night because I was like, he's just owning this place. Like this is Staples Center, about to be crypto.com, whatever the shit, <laughs> right? But it was like, th- he owns this place. There's 18,000 people here and he yeah. like owns it, you know? He does. And he absolutely just livens up. When yeah. he's put in a setting, and it's always at Staples Center for some reason. I feel like he always just is like, that's his element. And it was a late-ass game, too. It was like 7.30 start. You know, we got him a nap beforehand, but it's like, how long is he going to last? And I mean, he shut down the place. The game went to overtime. Mm-hmm. It was a great game. Uh, somehow we got right on the glass to see the, the last two goals of regulation and then the overtime win, the Kings won, and we're yeah. banging on the glass. And Thank you to the YouTube star, Nina, for giving up your glass seats for Maddox and Joe to experience this game. And, and again, once again, if you follow us on What Am I Thankful For on our social media platforms, you'll see that photo. Like, Maddox is lit up. He has never been happier. Loved it. So thank you. Just the whole night, man. He was just like, I don't know, like the pictures I took. I I took some pictures of us in the suite. It was just like, man, like he just looks so grown up in these pictures. Like I wasn't even ready to see it in a picture was more meaningful to me than seeing it in real life. I don't know. He just Mm -hmm. looked like a grown, like just a, uh, not even a little boy, like just a boy, you know? Yeah. So to put, put it into perspective, I posted a picture of him and his auntie Nam, who has been with the LA Kings for... A long while now and I the picture that I posted of them originally he was I think seven or eight months old mm. now he's seven years old and it was so incredible to see you know same happy boy same happy face same happy like energetic smiley excited to be there but uh, he's, like, grown up at Staples Center. We call that the Drew Barrymore game. That was when we got in the <laughs> elevator. His first ever trip to Staples Center. Yeah. And he got in the elevator, and he had, like, a knit, you know, like, a custom knit beam. Got for, off of Etsy. Yeah, for his tiny little head. 
And uh, we get in the elevator, and Drew Barrymore and Colin Hanks were there. And Drew Barrymore is like, oh, my God, he's so cute. He's I so love cute. that beanie. <laughs> so I call that the Drew Barrymore game now. Yep, yep. Never forget that. But, yeah, man, just like, you know, we want to share all these good things as they happen in real time because we don't want the story to just be like, oh, diagnosis and fetal surgery and, like, all this kind mm. of really scary stuff. So we're trying to blend in some, like, Hey, but look what happened. Like, look seven years later. He's just have- like any other kid. Right. And that's how we want this to- this story to always go. Like, he is not his diagnosis. He is a kid full of life and full of energy and enthusiasm. And he's got this wonderful personality. And it shows. It shows when, when he, we, we put him in settings like this. Yeah, he's really special, and it just he, it continues to blow my mind how how special he is, and just how magnetic he can be. Yep, couldn't agree more. That's all we got, everybody. Thanks for listening. And next week we're gonna go back to the second part of the diagnosis episode, so you can kind of hear really kind of the that's actually the the heavier part of the episode where we talk about what events occurred at the diagnosis and kind of how we process them and we go to a really dark place and we we talk about all that stuff so it won't be super uplifting for you but it'll be informational and as always thanks for listening and have a happy thanksgiving we hope you guys have a great holiday yeah thanks for tuning in everyone happy thanksgiving gobble gobble